One of our young people, Hugh, is going to come and read the Bible to us. Page 580, Psalm 65. And this is the living God speaking to us. It's an exciting moment. Praise awaits you, you, praise awaits you, our God in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer, to you all people will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds. God, our Saviour, the hope of all the ends of the earth and and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who who stilled the roaring seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich its abundancy. <laughs> the streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain. For so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty, and your carts overflow with abundance. The the grasslands of the wilderness overflow, the hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks, and the valleys are mantled with grain. They They shout for joy and sing. Thank you. Now, it won't have escaped your attention by now that this is our Harvest Festival service, and um, shortly there'll be an opportunity for those who haven't already brought forth uh, their their goodies to to share, to to come forward in our Harvest procession. But before we do that, it's worth thinking about why we do this. Why do we have a Harvest Festival? I used to wonder this when I was a child. Uh, and the vicar sometimes would stand up and say, where does food come from? And the obvious answer to that question was Sainsbury's. <laughs> and, and when we look at this table, it's graining with goodies from the supermarket. And it's so easy to think that food is something that is just there. That all you need to get it is money. It's always available. And somehow we can make it for ourselves. Now, some of you will be just young enough and just old enough to remember uh, a song from the 1990s by the presidents of the USA. Now, my children know this song, so it's not totally something for that sort of narrow age band into which I still fit. But that song was called Peaches. and It was a celebration of the glory of peaches, as far as I can tell. Uh, And in the middle of it, there's this line. Peaches come from a can. They were put there by a man in a factory downtown. And that is how we relate so often to our food, isn't it? Food is something that's put in a can, made in a factory, we think, almost. But our beautiful decorations remind us that's not true 
at all. Where did the peach come from to be put into the can? I'll be searching through this later to see if there are any cans of peaches so I can prove my point. But where do they come from? They grow. They grow on trees. And if we just travel a mile to our north, we begin to see the beauty of the downs. And there on the downs, you see that sort of site that is peculiar to the English countryside of sort of beautifully maintained farmland, the grass clipped short by sheep and cows, which testifies to the goodness of God. How does it do that? Well, Psalm 65, we're on page 580. And this psalm is probably a harvest psalm. If you go onto the internet and you search, where does harvest festival come from? The answer you'll receive is this. Uh, It was uh, created in 1843 in the parish of Morwenstow in Cornwall by the Reverend Robert Harker. Uh, And lots of the uh, songs that we sing, including We Plough the Fields and Scatter, which we'll sing later together, come from around about that time. Uh, When uh, people still gathered in the harvest, when this point in the year, the Sunday closest to the harvest moon, if you were wondering how harvest is timed, was the sort of end of the harvest when the last sheaves were brought in and the people gave thanks to God for his provision. But harvest didn't begin in 1843. In ancient Israel, there was a festival called Sukkot, which was a sort of harvest festival giving thanks to God for his provision through the year. And this psalm may well have been sung at that festival, at Israel's ancient harvest festival. And and, and look what it says. Just look with me towards the end. Verse 9, halfway down page 581. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with corn, for so you have ordained it. Now, we know all about rainfall, don't we, over the last couple of weeks. We can, we can think about how uh, water comes from the sky, and that water coming from the sky does incredible things. Because the way God has ordained the world, the way God has made things, there are these incredible things called plants, which turn that water into food. It's absolutely amazing. Water comes from the sky, sun comes out, and that combination of water and sunlight becomes food just by plants converting that energy into glucose. Just using the power of the sun and water. So everything here is just sunlight plus water grown in good soil. Now, of course, God's provided other things that can turn one thing into something else. Uh, So um, as as lovely as grassland is, I I don't fancy munching on grass, but God has created animals that turn grass into meat. It's wonderful. All these different things that God has made, we depend on for our food. Now, factories and roads and money and mechanized agriculture, they've all made it, they've all smoothed out the bumps. But when it comes down to it, we depend on three things to get our food. Soil, sunlight, and water. 
And all of those things are things that we did not make, we cannot replace, and we have no control over. You can try it next time there's a torrential downpour outside. You can go outside and say, come on, stop it, and see what happens. You will be wet and chastened. (laughs) Because we cannot control the weather. God put the sun there. We cannot control it shining. God put the soil there. And we depend on it for every mouthful of food that we eat. And to recognize that is somehow to be sort of fundamentally in touch with reality. So one of the things about Harvest Festival is it actually brings us back down to earth, reminds us of reality. It's a great time of year actually to think about the people who do the hard work of farming. When we get up on the downs and we we see the, the, the carefully tended fields, the carefully tended flocks of sheep and cows, and occasionally ostriches. And we have to remember that people work hard to do that for us. They take the good things that God has given and they provide them to our table. So harvest is a time to give thanks to God and to give thanks for the people that God has given that make it possible for us to eat the good produce that comes from the land. I was going to ask this morning, we're going to sing We Plough the Fields and Scatter, how many of us have ever ploughed a field and or scattered the good seed on the land? And I think I know the answer is about four or five. Some of our number are farmers working hard for us. And it's tough. 10% of UK farms a year make a loss. Only 49% make any kind of profit at all. But they work hard so that we can eat. And when we see the hillsides, perhaps our response is much like that of David as he looks out on on, on uh, on, on, on the hills of Israel. Verse 13, the meadows are covered with flocks. The valleys are mantled with corn. They shout for joy and sing. Harvest brings us back into into reality. What God has provided and what people work hard to do for us not only meets our physical needs, but brings us joy. And if you're able to join us for our harvest lunch after this service, you'll know the joy of sharing food with others. Food that others have worked hard to prepare, others have worked hard to grow, but that in the end comes from God himself so that David can say you crown the year with your bounty that's what harvest is about seeing that God provides for us every day there's this moment in the year where we take a moment to stop to reconnect with what's really happening in the world how do you get your food to give thanks to him and there's one other thing it's there in verse one it's it's sort of slightly hidden but praise awaits you our God in Zion to you our vow will be fulfilled. And it's a picture of God's people giving back to him in response to all that he has generously given to us. And so harvest is a chance to connect with reality, to give thanks to God and for the people who work so hard for us, but also to give back and generously to share what God has generously given us for those who are in need, who don't have the plenty that most of us enjoy. It is a wonderful thing, isn't it, to see all this generosity and all this provision. Uh, it's great. I love Harvest Festival. Uh, and actually, the decorations help. It always feels so cosy, don't you think? 
I think it's one of the things about harvest is that there's a sort of sense of peace about the whole thing. The last uh, stanza of the psalm has that sense about it, doesn't it, of peacefulness, of, of plenty, of joy. Let me just read those verses to you again from verses 9 to 13. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with corn, for so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty, and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks, and the valleys are mantled with corn. They shout for joy and sing. There's almost a softness to it, isn't there? A peace, a sense of prosperity, a sense of joy. And that's all absolutely right. And yet there's something in the psalm that points to something bigger and acknowledges the reality of something darker. And in a sense, this table acknowledges, doesn't it, the reality of something darker. There are huge numbers of people who live around us who just don't have enough. We're living at a time where there is a cost of living crisis. Harvest can give the impression that all is well with the world, but it also reminds us that all is not well with the world. And in the verses just before those I just read out, there's a much spikier reality in view. God is the one who made the farthest ends of the earth and the farthest seas. And this is how David carries on. Verse 6, we're on page 580 again if you lost your place. You formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength. You stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. These great pictures from nature of things that are untamable, the strength and solidity of the mountains. It's still the case, isn't it, that the idea of doing something impossible is the idea of moving a mountain. And the sea restless and chaotic and untamable power. And if you don't believe me, just ask Brighton and Hove City Council when they've got to sweep all the shingle back off the promenade after the storms wash our beaches up and threaten to bring them into the town. The sea has incredible power. It's untamable. And just as we can't control the rain and the sunshine, we can't control the sea. And in the mind of David, the psalmist, the raging of the sea echoes the turmoil of the nations. Now, in this country, 69% of all land is used for agricultural use. And that 69% of our land produces 62% of the food that we consume annually as a nation. Which means that by the end of July, if we were just depending on British produce, the shelves would be empty and there'd be nothing to eat again until the 1st of January. But the way the world works, we're able to bring food from overseas. And that's one of the reasons for the need that we face, because war in Ukraine has raised the price of grain and other foodstuffs enormously. 
Actually, in one sense, right here in front of us, we see the effects of the turmoil of the nations. Something bigger than us, something that we can't control, something that is untamable. From the very beginnings of human history, as we understand it, right till now, there's one thing that has constantly been there. Nation goes to war with nation. People fight. And innocent people suffer. And yet there's this note of hope here, isn't there? God stilled the roaring of the seas. And he will still the turmoil of the nations. Now, if you're able to come to church this evening, we'll see actually what that's pointing to. We're working our way in the evenings through Mark's gospel. And in Mark chapter 4, I'm sure that Psalm 65 is in mind. Jesus uses four parables, and three of them are all about agriculture. They're all about seed that grows because it's watered, because it's sown, because God is at work. They're parables that point to the kingdom that Jesus was bringing. But Mark 4 ends with Jesus in a boat with his friends. They're all hardy fishermen. They, they belong on the sea, and yet there's a storm that's come up that they can't control, and they're sure they're going to drown. And they wake Jesus up because he's sleeping through the storm. And he stands up in this unsteady boat, and he tells the wind and the waves to stop it, as if they were a naughty puppy. And there's instant calm. Jesus is the one who stills the roaring of the seas and who can deal with the problem that brings the turmoil of the nations. And actually that dark reality that sits at the heart of conflict is in this psalm too. It's right there in verse 3. Look with me if you would. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgression. At the heart of human conflict is the reality that we are at conflict with the God who made us. He made each one of us in his own image. And when we fight against each other, it's as as though we're fighting against him because deep down in our hearts, we are. That's what the Bible means when it uses that word sin or that word transgression. They're words that point to us being alienated from the God who made us, the God who gave us all this. And David says, you, God, Forgave. We were overwhelmed by our sins. We couldn't do anything about it. There's this barrier in our hearts to knowing and loving God. We're cut off from him. We can't do anything about it. We're overwhelmed like people at sea in a storm. But God has intervened. God has brought forgiveness, which brings a peace greater than that we feel at any harvest festival, at any sort of cosy evening around a fire or any other cosy image we might have, there is a peace that comes from being at peace with God that is bigger than all of that. 
And this psalm points to Jesus as the one who brings that peace. So look at verse 4. This is what David describes as being truly blessed. Blessed are those who you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We're filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. People who've been forgiven by God are brought home to his house. They eat at his table as members of his family. It's an extraordinary picture of true and lasting and ultimately fulfilling peace, being at peace with God. And that is the peace that Jesus offers That is actually the peace that this service, that our harvest, points us to needing. It's Jesus who really can offer what we most need. Just as God has provided for our physical needs, so it is that Jesus provides for our spiritual needs and for every need. On Tuesday night, we begin our next Alpha course. And if you don't yet know that peace of knowing God, of being forgiven, of living as his person in his world. I want to recommend to you heartily that you join us on Tuesday night. It is not too late to sign up. And if you come and you don't like it, you don't have to come back. But if there's even a chance that this is true, it's got to be worth looking into, hasn't it? That the God who made all this, who provides all this, might actually take an interest in you, might actually take an interest in me, And give not only those things that come from his bounty like food, but give his own son so that we could enjoy being at home with him as his people forever.